Hey, so welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the special Thanksgiving show. Very special. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump. He's the president of the United States, you know. Still yes, he is. We take a look at the current administration. We address the existential threats to America. I, you know, I think what's coming in with Biden, if he, once he's certified, if he is, is uh, not a threat. It's kind of boring. Okay. But it'll All remain right. interesting because Donald Trump, if he's on the sidelines, will continue to comment. Yeah, he definitely will. Today, we will hear from John Cribb, author of Old Abe, a novel. This is the best book about Abe Lincoln Mm -hmm. ever. And we'll talk about Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation. And it's full of interesting things Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, are relevant to our Thanksgiving. So I hope you'll pay attention to that. Also, Mrs. Bennett, Elaine Bennett, uh, will join you, Claude. I'm going to give up the microphone to Mrs. Bennett. Right. Talk about her rules for the dinner table. Much discussed. It's become a real mm-hmm. Thanksgiving tradition on this show. Well, almost uh, a month out. I mean, people have been asking, yeah, you know, right. will you guys do the rules? You know, Mrs. Bennett rules. With, and uh, I said uh, they adopted here for the age of COVID. And she said, yeah, a little bit. A little oh, bit. OK. But I mean, they're mostly rules about caring and taking care. So it's, <laughs> you know, it doesn't require a lot. Uh, I'd like to discuss a few things first. So uh, I know we're on Thanksgiving Eve, but, you know, these are also times of conflict and, and turmoil. And I think you would expect me to comment. I, I'll just say it again, and I, I'm not going to be a broken record for four years. Uh, I believe this election was uh, was stolen. Um, about 70% of Republicans do. I noticed a, uh, a poll that had somewhere between 10 and 30% of Democrats think it was stolen hmm. by the Democrats. Um, they might know. Uh, irony of ironies, uh, it wasn't uh, the 2016 election that was stolen by the Russians, which the Democrats accused Trump of uh, colluding in. But uh, despite all those accusations, it, uh, I believe it was the Democrats of 2020 who stole the election. But there won't be hearings about that, I suppose, no. or impeachment efforts. Um, I, I'll pat myself in the back for this, but only a slight pat and a very brief one. You will recall, Claude, we did at least two or three shows on election fraud leading mm-hmm. up to the election, because I know it's a kind of, in some ways, a boring subject because it's all about procedure. But I said, I think you'll back me up that I said it. I said my biggest worry about this election was fraud, mm-hmm. mail-in ballots, so many. You know, other countries don't allow mail-in ballots. you got to show up in person. Right. Reason for that. So I think corruption took place, and I, yeah, I'm glad at least we were aware of it. And, you know, one of our guests, uh, Harmeet Dillon, great lawyer out in L.A., she said, look, Democrats met and they had extensive meetings about the election and procedures, and Republicans didn't go, you know. Mm-hmm. The kind of thing Democrats like to do, Republicans don't. Democrats uh, like governing. They like being in control more than Republicans do. So they took a greater interest in the procedures surrounding this election, and it paid off for them. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, there were there were too many irregularities. I think the irregularities were organized. I think there was corruption and fraud, and I think the election was rigged. My guess is that the president will, in the next few days, weeks, concede this. But I, I don't think he'll go gentle into that good night. I think we'll hear from him a lot. And the lesson for the future is, my gosh, we have got to get control of this whole process. We don't want this to happen again. 
Well, that's one thing Harmeet was saying. Uh, I believe she was saying even yeah. leading up to this election, she wishes there were more efforts, you know, starting earlier Absolutely. to secure the election. And for one reason or another, none, none were taken. Absolutely. Uh, I think we have some uh, emails, don't we? Yes, we do. A lot of people checked in on Facebook, uh, actually, about their Thanksgiving plans. Uh, I'll just go down the line. Uh, our buddy Steve says, uh, here's his plans. Uh, same as we always do. Fear and panic promoted by uh, governmental overreach will not interrupt how our family gathers. So Steve is going to do uh, his own thing. Paul Enjoy Vanderbilt uh, said, hello, Dr. Bennett. Still miss your morning radio program. Oh, we yeah. Are, yeah, we are staying home, decorating for Christmas and thanking God for his faithfulness. Right. Uh, so that's what they're doing. Uh, let's see. Matthew uh, Soldano Sr. Matt Soldano. His... That's my classmate. Did you know uh-huh. that? I did From not. Gonzaga really? High School. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. he said his son, Matt Soldano Jr., will be joining him. They're coming up. He's coming up from Tampa uh, for Thanksgiving. So yeah. he's hitting the roads. He's traveling. Yeah, Soldano, uh, as we call him in high school, Soldano. <laughs> you know, right. he used last names. You know. mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff, he's also hitting the roads. Jeff Gad, he said he's driving 85 miles to spend the day uh, with his brother and his wife in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, turkey dinner, football, and visiting them. Yeah, the time. yeah, that sounds right. That just mm-hmm. sounds right. These are wonderful messages. Very reassuring. Yeah, let's see who uh, Linda. Linda Pye says, my Thanksgiving table will have my precious uh, kids and grandkids around it. We are thankful. So they're doing their normal thing. It seems right, like. These are very positive things. I just want to suggest the following. Mm-hmm. If we have any listeners in Oregon, Portland, <laughs> oh, no. you know what's coming. And, and you, there's a knock on the door. Uh-huh. And the police come in. First thing to do is, hey, uh, cops, hide the turkey. You know, flush it down the toilet. You know, like well, I don't know co- if you hide the turkey. You try to like hide it's cocaine. the cocaine. Actually, you don't have to hide the cocaine no. in Oregon. <laughs> but if you got turkey, or you have people. Yeah, get, yeah, open the closets, slide out the doors. One of our sons had a big party at our house, and we were out of town once. And uh, the cops came, and kids just kind of went out the windows and out the back door and all that. <laughs> So you may want to do something like that if the cops yeah. come for you in uh, in Oregon. And it helps uh, to have designated people who know ahead of time. Where the, the exits come, are. You're the one who has yeah. to hide. You yeah, know, and so here's you... your exit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Judith, uh, who says she's heading to D.C. to be with uh, her daughter. Her and her husband said, happy holidays, Dr. Bennett. Uh, Michael says, uh, thanking nice. God for people like you, Bill Bennett. And so that's what he'll be doing for Thanksgiving, is offering up thanks for people like you. Uh, interesting comment from Mike uh, Sundstrom on Facebook. He says, uh, going to deer hunt until noon or until I shoot another one, run the trap line and head for the house just in time to eat, jump in the bed, get up and go duck hunting and then check the same trap line that he set the day before. So a lot of hunting uh, on Thanksgiving for Mike. Venison and duck, but not hunting a turkey, I assume. No, it doesn't seem like it would be, <laughs> be hunting a, a, a turkey. Uh, let's see. We got Sandy who says she's hoping to convince her mom to join her and her husband uh, for a meal. The media has caused her mom to live in fear and she's not sure if she wants to join them. For yeah. It. Don't let her mom listen to Governor Cuomo. Yeah. Well, yeah, she'll never leave the house again. Never leave the house. Yeah. And finally, our friend Donna Stark, uh, I mean, so many, but we can't read them all, obviously, uh, says, um, instead of flying uh, from home in the Florida Keys up to Green Bay, Wisconsin, oh, have Lord. a big dinner with her mom, exactly, mom, three sisters and her spouses, and 12 nieces and nephews, her and her husband, uh, they're having a Friendsgiving grill-out potluck on their dock outside the back door of their condo, three other couples at two big nick tables, plenty of room and space, she's bringing the dessert. Pamela 
uh, had checked in and said she misses you on the radio. Her husband and, I, and, and herself might be alone for Thanksgiving. One daughter has COVID. Uh, not sure if the other one will come because of the virus. Uh, it says they still have the same menu that they had for decades with lots of leftovers. They're going to have turkey, sausage dressings, uh, all the trimmings, and uh, prayers to keep our nation safe and return to conservative values. And return address or our address for the leftovers if there's a lot left. You know, that 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 sausage stuffing sounds great. Yeah. I mean, my wife is doing a sausage stuffing as well, so I'm sure no, hers will be enough. better, but... I would no, also be- like to try Pamela. Yeah, you, you better say that. <laughs> sure. So if your wife listens to the podcast. All right. Well, I just want to give my wishes, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Claude, to you and your family and everyone else. And let's remember what uh, John Cribb said, which is, uh, you know, if Lincoln could uh, issue a Thanksgiving proclamation in 1863, during the middle of the Civil War, we can give thanks as well. Take a look at the country and the totality of its actions, whatever you think of the election, whatever you think of recent events, whatever you think of the media, and give thanks for what we have. And let's recover. Let's fight and recover what we have lost and, um, and, and what's, been, uh, what's been compromised. That's my wish for uh, the days after Thanksgiving. Mm, no, Thank you know, I'm right with you. Yeah. And I can't say it any better. I mean, you're the man with the words. Um, but I would add this one thing, too, is, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, I was reminded by a friend of mine who's from Canada and another one who's from France, a uniquely American holiday. It's an American holiday. Yeah, that's right. We take a day out to give thanks. And so, you know, for those who may feel down or distraught, let's take this day off. Uh, let's breathe. Let's offer thanks in this uniquely American way. And for those of my friends who are liberals and are Democrats and always have something to complain about this country, when you're sitting at your din- dining room table this Thanksgiving, remember, this is something that we do here in America. This is not a worldwide global holiday. Right. This is something we do uniquely here. So let's yeah. give thanks for our country and all that we have. Well done, Claude. Well said. Okay. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, let's welcome John Cribb to the show. He's the author of Old Abe, a novel. Good morning, Bill. Thank you for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. So, uh, first of all, Thanksgiving. How many at your table? I mean, you can tell the truth to me. Six. Uh, The the four in my family, me and Kirsten and Molly and Sarah, then uh, my sister Mary and my mother will join us. And it's supposed to be 71 degrees, so we're Hopefully, I'm going to eat on our screen. Board. Outside. Okay. Well, if seventh drops in, you know, ask for ID. It may be a plainclothes detective. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We may all, all right. go to jail. No, you're in a good state. They're not going to arrest you there, are they? What do I see behind you? Do I see children's books of virtues? Yeah. Something? Yes, you do. All right. You but see- I do see Old Abe. I want to talk about Old Abe. Tell us about this book. We've talked about it before, but give us a brief summary. And then I want you to tell us about some of the adventures you've had with this book. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, It is basically the story of the last five years of Abraham Lincoln's life. Uh, So it begins with his nomination for the presidency in 1860. And then you're just at his side, every chapter, every page as he goes through the, you know, through this presidency of the Civil War. It is a historical novel. And so uh, you're up for, you know, big events like the Gettysburg Address and the Emancipation Proclamation and then lots of lesser known events. And I wrote it as a novel because I really wanted to bring Lincoln alive for people and make him a walking, talking, breathing fellow. Well, it's a great book. Uh, I blurbed it. was honored to. I uh, wrote yes, some uh, words for it. Uh, and uh, wrote the forward for it, yes. I Both did. For it, for it, forward it. Uh, and it's selling, right? Yeah, it's beginning to get some traction. 
uh, which we're we're thrilled about, of course. The publisher is thrilled. Tell us uh, about some of the uh, interesting uh, readers of this book. There's one I know very well-known radio and TV personality who has uh, read this book, at least one. Go ahead. Yeah, well, um, Mark Levin, uh, I guess three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, uh, I was surprised that somebody gave me a call saying, Mark is reading your stuff on, on radio. And it was actually a couple of op-eds that I'd written uh-huh. um, and he was reading from. And then on his uh, TV show, the Sunday before election, actually, I think they did it a special Saturday night. Uh, he read uh, one of them in, in its entirety and, and part of another one. So, uh, you know, I, I just have such immense respect for him. I think he's just such a smart guy that that was a, that was a real thrill. That really was. Now then, da da da, drum roll, uh, special about a call. And please leave in that you didn't pick up the first few times. Please tell this wonderful <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was on the phone with my cousin Evelyn talking to her, and I kept getting this this phone call. And I glanced at it. It was a 202 area code, so which, you know, I knew it was DC, and I, I just thought of somebody looking for a campaign contribution or something. And, uh, but the, it was very insistent. So the fourth time I, I looked at it, and just something in my old memory from living there just made me think, yeah, I think that maybe is the White House exchange. I think maybe I need to take, take that call. So I got off the phone with Evelyn and a young lady named Sarah immediately was on the line with me. And she said, John, uh, I'm with the vice president's office. and We wanted to check about your availability uh, to talk with him today. And of course, I said, anytime he wants. Yeah. She said, well, let me put you on hold. And she came back a minute later and said, he can talk now. So the next thing I knew, I was on the phone with the vice president. And he said, John, I just wanted to know, I know he said, I know we've never met, but um, I just want to let you know, I finished reading Old Abe last night and I just had to call you and tell you how much I enjoyed it, how wonderful I think it is. But, you know, he's a real Lincoln guy. Yeah. Grew up in Indiana where Lincoln grew up. He wrote his college thesis on Lincoln uh, and religion, I believe. And uh, so we just, we talked for 10 minutes. This was uh, the Monday after the election. Uh, my goodness i know too and he was calling from his his office in the west wing his ceremonial office in the west wing and uh, he said he said john i've got uh four or five lincoln books on the shelf right next to me that i'm looking at but he said uh, yours yours is the best lincoln book that i've ever read and isn't that he, great isn't that amazing isn't that, isn't that amazing that is amazing the book is yeah. old abe a, a compliment from any vice president would be a lot but from this vice president, Indiana uh, Lincoln fan who's read all the Lincoln books, it's just fantastic, and it's a deserving tribute. It's a wonderful book, and I'm glad it's getting uh, glad it's getting traction. We have to talk fast because you've got a whole lineup of interviews today. I know, I know, good for you. So, uh, clarify something. I guess I could go to another book you did. Uh, I, I took a hand in it too, American Patriots Almanac. Straighten it out. But who's responsible for the? of Thanksgiving officially in America, George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, who did what when? Well, Washington, of course, the, you know, the, I guess the pilgrims were responsible in 16. Okay. All right. Let's yeah, one each we'll give them a little okay. credit. One for, each uh, century. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Washington actually, uh, de- he did declare a national day of Thanksgiving and prayer and, and Thanksgiving for the constitution. Um, and the Continental Congress in, in 1777 had done the same thing after Saratoga and various presidents, uh, you know, would set aside uh, days of Thanksgiving for various reasons, but not any kind of on a regular basis. And in the early days of the Republic, uh, some states, especially in the North, would have Thanksgiving days. Others did not. And they were, you know, some they were usually around harvest time, but sometimes it'd be in October, sometimes November, December, even January. But it wasn't until Lincoln comes along 
1863 during the Civil War that we get a you know a first national uh, Thanksgiving that's going to be a a regular annual observation going forward. So Lincoln Lincoln has a, has a lot to do with it. All right, so that's that's when it becomes an official uh, day. An interesting yes, time now this year with this Thanksgiving and all the turmoil about it. Um, give us Lincoln today. I don't want to sound like one of these guys says update the Constitution, but Abraham Lincoln's perspective on today, the politics of today, the meaning of Thanksgiving today. What would old Abe be saying or thinking um, now? That's the name of the book. Old Abe and the author is with us, John Cribb. John. Well, uh, well, to continue the Thanksgiving thing for a second, yeah, I please. think you know he would he would look at this country, and despite all of our you know division right now and uh, what's going on, I think the first thing he would say is, "Boy, do, do we have a lot to be grateful for?" Yeah. And just think about the progress that's been made in, on so many fronts uh, in this country since since his time, and I think he really would he would say, "Boy, this really is still the last best hope of Earth." Uh, but, you know, he when he issued that Thanksgiving proclamation in 1863, um, there was a lot of bad things going on. But he nevertheless, in that proclamation, he says there's still a lot to be thankful for. He says that, you know, the, the fields are still fruitful. The crops are coming in. We're, we're at peace with with foreign nations. Settlements are pushing west. The population is actually increasing. And most important, uh, freedom is on the rise. Freedom is on the march as Union armies advance. And, of course, with the Emancipation Proclamation. On, uh, on the 1st of 1863, uh, all these uh, enslaved Americans have been freed. So that, pro- you know, Lincoln, and Lincoln says in that proclamation, that he says, this is not the work of human hands. He said, these, these are gracious yeah. gifts of God. Yeah. And that's why he sets that, side, that day aside as a, a day of thanksgiving and prayer for, uh, to our, benef- our beneficent father who dwelleth in the heavens, uh, he says. So I think Lincoln today would have the same reaction. I mean, he would look at everything that's going on and say, yeah, okay, the country's got some problems, but my gosh, do we have a lot to be thankful for? Yeah, yeah, more than uh, 160 yeah. years uh, after that. But, but it really gives you pause what you just said. He's looking out at 1863, and you know, you just said with kind of the back of your hand, some trouble was going on. I guess that was trouble, huh? In the middle of the Civil yeah. War. Yes. But yet he takes the time and says, consider all the blessings. Yeah. And we're not in a civil war where, you know, some of us have talked about maybe a cultural civil war we're in. Right. And it's and it's pretty serious. Yes. But uh, it's not the civil war that we had then. And if so if he could suggest then that, that to give thanks, we can certainly give thanks now. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, one big reason for that proclamation in 1863, in addition for having so much to be thankful for, uh, was to uh, help national unity. Uh, Lincoln, that was really a, a major part of declaring it as a national holiday. It was one more thing to try to bring the country together. And uh, he was urged by this woman, Sarah Josepha Hale. It's not a name we really know today. No. Uh, she was a writer and editor with Boston Ladies Magazine and a magazine called Godey's Ladies Book. It was probably the most widely read magazine in the country before the Civil War. And she was, so she was a very important voice in American culture. She was also, by the way, the uh, author of the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb, that everybody, you know. Really? Yeah. Okay. But she, way back in 1827, she started writing essays 
uh, urging this idea of a national Thanksgiving holiday as, as, a, as a way to unify the country. And she starts writing presidents about it, beginning with Zachary Taylor. So she writes Lincoln in September of 1863, urging him uh, to issue this proclamation. So when he does it, you know, her 36-year campaign for a national Thanksgiving Day bears fruit. But, but anyway, it really was the idea behind that, that proclamation, in addition to giving thanks, uh, really was national unity. And so, again, if Lincoln were here today, I think he would be yeah. wanting national unity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hale, H-A-L-E? Yes. You know what I'm going to ask next? Any relation to Edward Everett Hale? Well, I don't, you know, I've, I didn't even come across my mind, but I don't think so. I don't think He's so. the guy who gave the other address. Getty. Yeah, one week before, uh, on, on the 19th, uh, Lincoln, before that first National Thanksgiving Day, Lincoln had given the Gettysburg Address. And, you know, when he got home from Gettysburg on the train, he wasn't feeling too good. And they, uh, the doctor looked at him and he had a mild form of smallpox. So they immediately put him in quarantine and uh, for the next really two or three weeks. So that first National Thanksgiving Day that he had set aside the last Thursday in November, uh, he was actually his secretary, John Hay, reported that he'd been confined to his sick room. So he didn't quarantine. He quarantine. Didn't get, yeah, he was quarantined. talk about like today, huh? Yeah. yeah. How about that? <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> but go back to Gettysburg. He gave how long was the Gettysburg, Gettysburg address? Around, you know, around two minutes. Um, it may have been a little longer because uh, people did applaud yeah, during it. Sure, One of the yeah, shorthand applaud. reporters noted where they, you know, the crowd applauded. It was 10 sentences, 272 words. Yeah, so, but not long, a um, couple minutes, but yeah. Edward Edward Hale spoke for two hours, two hours. Yeah. And that was, uh, I think, didn't he say something? That's not the one that'll be remembered. I think he paid a compliment to Lincoln. Yeah. He said, um, he said, I wish I'd come in two hours as close as you did in two minutes yeah, to, yeah. Uh, you know, summing up the, the, the meaning of the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. And of course the great line, the world will little note or long remember, right? Oh, I yes. sure did remember. Huh? You're right. Greatest yeah. speech ever given. I mean, I, I've heard, uh, I've heard uh, uh, Pericles' funeral yeah. oration. Uh, you know, I don't know. What are the other contenders? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe some, maybe some Churchill speeches, uh-huh, or, uh-huh, uh-huh. but uh, you know, I mean, certainly Martin Luther King's speech at, oh, at, at I have a dream. But I, uh-huh. I think the Gettysburg Address is still the greatest speech ever given on American soil at any rate, yeah. because you know, it's a point. Um, it, the language is beautiful. The brevity the conciseness of the language. You cannot take a word out of that speech without altering the meaning in some way. It is, it is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful address. All right. The author is John Cribb. The book is Old Abe, the vice president, who is a Lincoln uh, expert and scholar and student, says the best book on Lincoln he has read, best book on Lincoln I have read. And John, we congratulate you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. And I cannot tell you how many, how many people have... Uh, remarked on your forward. So you're very kind uh, to that. I think it has a lot to do with uh, the book success. So thank you. Well, as in a lot of things, as you know, I get by with the help of my friends, but I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving to your family too. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Bill Bennett show. All right. Let's welcome Elaine Bennett to the show. Uh, And Claude, I'm going to step out and you will conduct this interview with your friend, yeah, I'll take it from here. You'll take it. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Claude. Happy Thanksgiving, Mrs. Bennett. How are you? I I am just great. I'm so happy to see your face. It's been a while, and mm-hmm. I know you're looking forward to Thanksgiving with your wonderful family. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We're having folks over. My sister is coming over, my brother-in-law, my niece, uh, two friends that normally come over. Mom and brother aren't, and that's fine. Uh, You know, I will go past their house in the morning. Um, But yeah, we're having everybody over. Well, this is, as you are very aware, it's a very special Thanksgiving and people have to do what they're comfortable with, with their families. Mm -hmm. I know Manny's looking forward to being with with all of his relatives. Absolutely. It's a happy time for children. It and is. It's, a, it it's is. a thankful time. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a day that we have cherished in the Bennett household mm-hmm. for a long time. And uh, actually 38 years. And mm-hmm. when my boys were not able to join us, as mm-hmm. Joe Bennett was not, uh, when he was in the Marines and serving out in, um, in the uh, San Diego area, uh, Hugh Hewitt was kind enough, he and his wife, to invite Joe and some of his platoon members to their house for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. I was just a bit nervous because I wanted to be sure that Joe conducted himself accordingly, mm-hmm. as I have tried through the years to impress some certain rules right. at the dinner table. And sometimes these rules were followed and sometimes they were not. Uh So I made a list, Claude, I guess it was 10 years ago. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Maybe maybe eight years ago. And uh, Bill shared this list on Mm -hmm. Morning in America. And he asked me to repeat it this Thanksgiving day. And by the way, not only did Dr. Bennett ask you to repeat it, I've been getting emails from the podcast listeners since September asking if you were going to come on the show just to share the dinner table rules for Thanksgiving. And so it's a huge wow. hit. Every I mean, we've, we've had requests for us to post it on the Facebook page for us to have you back on the show. And so obviously we have to we have to do it. <laughs> well, I'm honored. I am honored that that this um, these rules were that um impressive uh and i'm happy to share them i hope my boys are listening this morning um it's not a long list of rules it's 12 but number one is napkin in the lap right which is one i normally forget but i've got to remember that first one napkin goes napkin in the lap napkin in the lap in the lap before you pick up your fork before you pick up your glass Mm -hmm. number two drink from the glass or the glasses to the right over the knife. Okay. Can't go wrong. And especially this year where we hope there's some more distancing at the table, (laughs) you will clearly be able to see your knife to the right Mm -hmm. and there will be a glass near that knife. And that's your glass. Now, Mrs. Bennett, this is one that's not only for the consumer at the table, but for the one who sets the table, because you taught me this. I did not know that that's where the glass goes to the right by the knife. And so this is a kind of a dual thing. And so if you're preparing the table or consumption, so it's kind of we've got to work together on that. These are rules that make it easy for everyone. And they are centuries old. Um, So we are going to try to keep the these long uh, standing traditions going mm-hmm. glass over the knife bread and butter and salad plate is to the left over the fork okay. so your code mrs hamlet taught me this in dc schools bread meal water bmw ah. bread meal water that's a phrase we used bread to the left meal in the middle water to the right Got it. 
And at our luncheons for best friends and best men students, they all got it. Mm-hmm. Had it down cold. <laughs> Privileged kids had a much harder time, especially my sons. Still working on it. Okay. All right. They're going to get it before they turn 40, I hope. Yes, they will. They will. Number four, no talking with your mouth full. Oh, yes. Not, not ever a good thing. Number five, try very hard not to spill your food on the table mm-hmm. or up the front of your shirt, and especially <laughs> on your tie. Now, my boys are genetically predisposed <laughs> to this behavior. Um, I was going to say this sounds like this, it, this sounds like a rule that's directed to a, to someone who I work with closely on a weekly well, basis, especially the tie. Yes, Claude. Yeah. I think I think you are uh, very uh, perceptive there. Um, now this Thanksgiving, you ask your hostess if you are to wear a tie, as many people are dining outside mm-hmm. uh, for health reasons, and uh, we are doing that in our family. So the hostess may waive the tie requirement, but no matter where you're dining, number six, you wait until the lady of the house is seated and has raised her fork. Okay. If you, whoever is the hostess, if it's, especially if it's your mother or your grandmother, everyone waits respectfully until she has raised her fork. This is one that I'm going to be a stickler about this year because my grandmother's 94 and there won't be a lot of folks at her house. But when I go there, I'm, it's one of my stops in the morning. I'm going to make sure, hey, you know, we've got to wait until grandma raises her fork. And so I'm, I, I haven't done this before, but in honor of you, I'm going to make sure that at Maceo Jones's house, no one will eat until 94-year-old Maceo sits down and raises her fork. Well, I think you're exactly right to do this, and I'm sure Mrs. Jones will be delighted because we notice these things, Claude, especially the older we get. Mm-hmm. Now, also, and I know this will be happening at your house, you wait for a prayer or a blessing of the food. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you wait for your hostess to, to seat, be seated, and you look to her or to the host or to whomever will be blessing the food. And you join in that blessing. Mm-hmm. Be respectful of your, your, I guess, your guests or your family. Sure. Number eight, do not blow your nose at the table. If there's any need to blow uh, your nose, you excuse yourself and you go to the powder room. Okay. That's an old-fashioned <laughs> term where ladies would say, I must powder my nose. Men don't necessarily need to powder their nose, but they should definitely blow their nose (laughs) in the nearest so-called powder room. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Number nine, do not place the wine bottle, if you're having wine, on the floor by your chair. (laughs) Now, that is a habit of the elder Mr. Bennett. Okay, I was going to ask. This seems yeah. to be something that was inserted mm-hmm. in the personal. We're working on that one. <laughs> We're working on that one. Number 10. Do not punctuate your sentences in any way with your silverware. Ah, got it. Especially, and we hope this isn't happening, but it could. Mm-hmm. This year, if you're having a political discussion, <laughs> do not wave your knife around. Or jab your fork directly in front of you. Number 11, 
always, always personally thank the hostess and tell her the food was delicious. Mm -hmm. That will warm her heart. Now, I would imagine if there's a situation where multiple people are bringing food, Mm -hmm. if you know of the individual who cooked a specific dish, thank them as well. That is a good point. Yes. Seek out in, in situations which are really wonderful where different people bring different dishes. Mm -hmm. You will warm that person's heart by saying that green bean casserole was just delicious. And it's especially important to say how delicious the food is. If you have left enough food on the floor under your chair for the family dog's next meal, the hostess will not be as offended if you have complimented her food explicitly. Number 12, if you want your mother to go to her grave or if she's already passed on and she's watching you from up above and you want her to feel peaceful and as if she has been a successful mother, you offer to clear the table, take out the garbage, and always follow up with a handwritten thank you note, second choice's email, Okay. within three days. This is important if it's a hostess, someone you're being a guest at someone's table, or if it's your own mother. Oh, okay. I have on file all handwritten notes I have received from youngsters who shared our dinner, and especially our Thanksgiving dinner. The file is thin. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mrs. Bennett, I have to ask, because you said the handwritten letter is is the way we've got to go. I think so. An email is second. Mm-hmm. Is social media anywhere on the list? Like a, a no. nice Facebook post with mm. pictures and, well, and tagging the host? And is that okay? I, Claude, I'm going to have to bow to the uh, more contemporary um, etiquette of this year. A, a picture with a lovely note on Facebook is nice. Okay. Um, now, you do have to be careful. Because sometimes your hostess wasn't able to invite people oh, to her table or his table. Right. So you okay. must be conscious mm-hmm. of this. <laughs> you could start some trouble. You can never that. go wrong with a handwritten note. And this is something that's kind of easy to do. I mean, I don't want to make it seem like a task or a chore, but it's something that you could literally write now. You can write it right now or write it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Already have it ready to go. Exactly. And so that way it won't, you won't forget about it after Thanksgiving. You can Right. And you can actually bring it with a little gift, a little hostess gift. So what would be a good, ho- what would be a, a good hostess gift? What do you think? Oh, there are all kinds of nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a nice, a nice candle. Okay. In a in a holder is always lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, a small arrangement of flowers right. that your host or hostess could place somewhere. If they are serving wine, mm-hmm. uh, a nice bottle of wine with a note attached. Um, something that if you have a you know, of a particular interest your host or hostess has mm-hmm. uh, or a, a collector's item is always nice. Nice. And But it's not required. But what is, I think, required is some form of thank you written down on a piece of paper. 
Right. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> this now, Mrs. is becoming a lost art. Claude. It is. It is. No, you're absolutely right. Now, Mrs. Bennett, before we let you go, there's this whole two turkey thing that you do. <laughs> what's the whole, what's the, what's the two turkey? Claude, about eight years ago, I came up with a brilliant idea after running out of gravy, mm-hmm. which is not to happen at our house. We're, <laughs> Three three big guys who mm-hmm. all love gravy. The men love their gravy there. That I should make and and the stress of doing the gravy the day of Thanksgiving to make a turkey the day before. Mm. Get my drippings. Mm-hmm. Make the the great you know the roux so there are no lumps you know sure. so the uh-huh. flour with the with the. Uh, warm water actually sort of lukewarm water is nice nicely blended and then i'll have i'll have gravy ready from turkey one Mm -hmm. i can heat that and add more drippings from turkey two okay but it also takes pressure off i know that i will i will have extra turkey for people to take home especially Mm -hmm. this year that's important as some of our older family members do not get out right right do not get out until we're we have been vaccinated right right and i just want to say that to hold your loved ones especially close mm-hmm. if not in your arms in your hearts this mm-hmm. thanksgiving and we want to send our warmest wishes to your family from the bennett family from bill elaine John, Krista, and Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, no one does it better than Mrs. Bennett. No one does it better. Mrs. Bennett, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Claude. (laughs) God bless you, dear. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. I'll get back to business in uh, in earnest and um, take a look, give some perspective on what's coming up. It's gone past the last couple of weeks. Status of lawsuits, status of uh, handing the reins of power over, if that's to take place, and uh, previews of the coming year. Uh, we'll begin that. We'll be doing that all in December. Claude, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.